see some guests and visitors here. If you're like me, I, last week I was actually, uh, uh, well, in Omaha, so we had to get our van. We went to Space Walkers and then had to get our van fixed over there. Um, but, but I didn't get to catch church at the firehouse last week. So if you're like me, this is uh, my first time coming to the firehouse all year, and it's awesome. It's awesome to be here. So, anyways, I, boy, I killed that joke over the first and second of the new year. And New Year's Eve leading up to it, too. It's like, oh, I haven't seen it since last year or things like that. Probably won't hear that joke anymore this year, I hope. So. But anyways, um, let's see. We're going to uh, look today at a few... Um, where do I point it? Oh, there we are. Good. We used to be looking at last week that people shared some of their lessons from uh, Space Walkers. And uh, I'm just going to share a few things that I felt like God impressed on my heart at the Space Walkers Conference. But there are also things that I think will relate to um, what God wants to do in the firehouse this year. Some of them, I think, just overlap the personal lessons, but also uh, as a pastor, I think there's some lessons for us all. But before I start, um, I was going to give a quick update about um, the building project that we uh, are a part of right now. I don't know if you remember, we were part of a building campaign. Um, we did a fundraiser and things like that, but it's been maybe a little slower process than uh, we would have foreseen. Um, where it stands right now, we've been... Um, We've got the, you know, the blueprints. We've had the blueprints for a while. Greg got those done a number of months ago. But we've been working with some uh, general contractors to take a look at these blueprints, tell us how much they think it would cost them to, uh, you know, to carry out the project. So we've gotten a number of bids from these contractors. Um, and then at the same time, we've been having a conversation with the bank. You know, it's just uh, we'll have to, we have a fundraiser going over the year, and we're also getting some, um, the owner's, going to give us some discounts and rent over the next couple years, but some of these these laborers want to get paid up front or sometimes within, you know, not in the next couple of years, I guess. So uh, we're working with the bank to figure out how to pull it all off. Um, so you can just be praying as we go here. We've got some bids in from some contractors. We're going to dialogue with them a little bit and see. Our hope is that the church can bring as much labor to the table as possible, uh, bringing the cost down. So we're just praying that God would give us the right contractor that would work with us. Um, and also we're praying for the right bank, that God would provide you know, uh, the right way to finance things. And you know, we've been dialoguing with Wells Fargo and some other ones. But you can join us just in praying about those. And basically once the contractor selected and there's a bank that's willing to, um, you know, back things, we will begin. We'll get the ball rolling. We'll start, uh, we're probably going to be signing up for teams that people might like to be a part of and start getting uh, the learning curve in certain areas that you might help out in and stuff. So, but... Just, that's the update as it stands for now. Um, you can keep uh, praying that God spurs it along. One maybe a new new addition to the equation was I was talking to the owner of the warehouse. He's a Christian guy that really wants to get us into the building there. He really likes the idea of a church in the neighborhood, in his, his building. Um, and he realizes that the amount we're, we're looking to invest in his building is, you know, maybe it's a little higher than we were planning initially. So he said one of the things that he would like us to consider is that to, to make this investment in his building that maybe he would uh, uh, give us the first, you know, initially he was saying he'd give us the first year for free. We, any money we'd spend on rent we could use in the project. But he's now said, hey, why don't you guys consider 
I would give you five years of rent free if you guys carry this out, you know, because it's going to benefit his building and his property. But he said, how about, you know, instead of paying rent to me, you use that money for your construction, you know. So that's a, that's a huge deal. That's a good thing to be given thanks for. And, uh, but anyways, just let's join together in praying that God would just continue to lead us step by step. That was a pretty neat thing that I just found out last week here. So uh, anyways, that's where that stands. Um, we're going to go ahead and we'll pray. We're just going to look at three, three lessons, three themes that are on my heart from this conference and for this new year. So if you guys would, let's just bow our heads pray together again. <clears throat> well, Heavenly Father, we, do, uh, we just thank you for the plans you have for us. Uh, you say you have plans for us and they're good plans. And Lord, we just want to yield to your plans and your will and uh, set aside ours, Lord, because yours are so much better. And God, this morning I pray that you would give us each um, teachable heart. Just think about um, in the Faith Walker's devotion that we read. Uh, there's a series right now just on uh, the condition of our heart. Whenever the word is shared, God, our, you say our heart could be either unbelieving or superficial or distracted. Or then there, there's a good heart, you say, that receives your word and, and bears fruit, takes action, sees things happen. Lord, I pray that you give us good, teachable, undistracted, believing hearts this morning to hear from you. Uh, as we look at these verses, and we just ask this in your gracious name, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, let's, uh, if you guys don't get the Faith Walkers devotion, I think we've got, might have a copy back there, but they're online. Um, they look like this, and there's just a daily uh, thought from the Word, and then there's some, some reading that you can do at the bottom of the page to read through the Bible in a year. But they're, um, it's a great little tool to just kind of bring in and help uh, keep your quiet times, your devotion times fresh. It's online. You can Google Faith Walkers Devotional or something like that. Faith Walkers Journal, I think it might be called online. So, anyways. Um, so, let's see. A couple of different themes that stood out to me. One was this theme here. Um, there was a whole teaching. By the way, all the teachings from Faith Walkers are now available online. I think in MP3 and different things like that. But um, there was a teaching that a friend of mine did. Uh, his name's Rob Gerber. And he was talking about... Um, the theme for the whole conference was changing lives, but his teaching subject was basically a good fisherman changes lives. And he shared a lot of these real life examples from his life as a fisherman, things that you can apply to um, fishing for the souls of men and women and, and in fishing, seeing lives change. You know, And so um, one of the verses that I think he shared, and if he didn't share it, I was looking at it when he shared anyways, um, but there's this verse here. It says, Jesus said to his first disciples, He said, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And, and they left everything. They responded by leaving their boats and their nets and even family members behind to start following Jesus. And he taught them how to fish for the souls of men and women, how to, in essence, change lives both now and for eternity. And there was this, this theme of fishing for souls of people was throughout many of the teachings. Uh, I know a number of the teachings had basically made this point in here. If you're going to be fishing um, for, for souls for Christ, you need, to have, you need to get trained. You need to get equipped. Uh, several of them said you need to have a good tool, a good presentation for the gospel. And that's just something to be thinking about this year. I don't know how equipped you feel like you are, but this year as a church, we're going to be real deliberate in training uh, the church and equipping every one of you to be fishers of the souls of men and women. And so we're going to, um, we're trying to figure out the details about doing a, a class. There's one we've done in the past uh, when we were in Fort Collins, but it's a very thorough tool for sharing the gospel. It's called the Outreach Class. 
and it takes roughly 12 weeks to go through it and there's a lot of verses you memorize and in the process you're, you're either in the class as a trainer someone who's been trained in that and has experience in going through this diagram um, or you're a trainee and, and someone you know officially says hey I'll help you learn this because there's a lot of on the job training where you're actually sharing with people uh, and stuff like that but I encourage you to be thinking in advance about getting equipped this year and we might have to figure out something with our schedules we, we, I don't necessarily think we're going to add an entire new meeting but we might leverage some of our current meeting times like Wednesday night we might take a season where we're, instead of meeting in small groups or house churches we might just meet to do this training together just to get thoroughly equipped but think about that be praying about that uh, so it won't be a surprise um, the other thing that stood out to me along the way is um, just this idea that we're called to fish together. I've seen this verse before. If, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is a, a fairly common verse. But one of the things that um, I feel like God showed me even more than ever was that whenever this verse was shared by Jesus, there's a calling, there's a command. He says, hey, come follow me. And then he also tacks on a promise. By the way, if you follow me, you're going to learn how to change lives forever. And it's a command and a promise. But the, this occurs in, in Matthew chapter 4, it's in Mark chapter 1, but the only time it occurs, it's, it's shared in a group setting. Jesus never says to one individual, hey you, you come follow me and I'm going to teach you how to fish. He always shared it in a group context. Some guys were working together with their nets and he said, to plural, he said James and John, hey you, come follow me. Or... Um, yeah, Peter and Andrew but it, it, this, this promise and this command was given in the context of, of you of plurality you know? and, and I think that's something God wants to grow us in as a church you know, I think sometimes it could be the case that we're each, we each got a line it's like you're fishing with a line you've you got your, your bait out there and you're, you're reeling it in and stuff but when he called these guys they were using nets they were working together and it's good it takes initiative it takes courage just to get one line out and start casting it but there's a, I think there's a promise that says, hey, if you're, if you're fishing, if you're following me together, I'll teach you how to catch souls together. And, um, and I think God wants to grow us. And I encourage you to be thinking in that mindset. And it's exciting just to hear some of the plans I've heard from some of you already. I know the guys' household last night, they started a, started a game night where I think Saturday nights they're going to use for games. You know, I don't know what it's called, Gaming for Christ or something like that, but I think they played Risk for Jesus last night. And um, but, but the idea is they're just trying to work together to reach people. You know, and your individual efforts are good, um, but there's a promise when you work together. Another verse I think about here is Ecclesiastes 4.9 where it says, um, Two get better returns than one. You know, um, another way it puts it like this, um, um, two get more than twice the returns uh, of one. You know, so you have one individual effort and another individual effort. You put it together, you get the efforts of two. Well, the, this promise says two get even better returns than two people should. And so I think God wants us to work together. I think when you fish on your own, a lot of times it's like you can come up with your game plan, uh, what's convenient for you, what you like, what you know, and you just go out and do it. As far as unity goes, it's like, you know, are you united with yourself or not? I hope so. You know, you don't want to argue with yourself too much. But, um, but when you start working with someone else, unity is not that easy. And when you go fishing on your own, it doesn't require a ton of humility. You know, I guess are you being humble that day or not? But when you start working with a, another goober that's just like you, it's called your roommate or your spouse or something, you start to realize you need a little bit more humility to go fishing together. Because they might want to fish for someone else. They might want to fish in a different way. And the promise is, hey, if you're fishing together, 
you'll catch the souls of men and women. And I think God wants to grow us in that. And, and look for opportunities in your small group, even in AIM. You know, there's, we've been reaching out together uh, in some ways, but in some ways it's like we can get to campus and we go 50 different directions, get our fishing pole out. And I think God wants us to, to draw the net together and there's more humility required. But God says where there's humble people, He, he graciously blesses. And so we're going to be fishing together more this year. I've heard different ideas. Where we're trying to get on the calendar. Uh, the couples want to do like a wine taster around Valentine's Day. Instead of fighting the masses on Valentine's Day in the restaurant, we might just host a wine taster at someone's house and invite people uh, to join us there. There's a lot of ideas, and I encourage you as you're making uh, these plans, there's a proverb that says, make plans by seeking advice. You might think you have a great idea. You might get a little advice, a little input on how to work together with others who your plans might affect or church-wide activities that it could conflict with. But make plans to go fishing together and, and seek advice along the way as well. Um, one of the last things on this fishing theme here was um, Rob shared, um, he shared a verse that said basically uh, uh, it's good for a student to become, a fully trained student becomes like the teacher. And he shared that the idea is if you're fishing for souls, you want to change lives, one of the greatest tools you can have for changing lives is to have a changing life. And, and he shared, hey, look, if you're not changing, if you're stagnant, if, what, what, why in the world do you think God's going to use you to see another life changed, another soul changed, you know? And um, so he made the point, one of the greatest pieces of equipment you can have for changing lives is a changing life yourself. And uh, one of the verses he shared was, uh, it was uh, a verse in Second Timothy, I mean in Second Peter here. I'm just going to read it from the... Um, he shared this verse, but I read it in the Living Bible, and I like how it's put here, but... He talks about these different areas of character in your life. And he basically says, hey, look, if, you're, if you don't have these and you're not growing in these, you're likely not going to be impacting anybody. It says you could be un- unfruitful in your faith. And I'll read it here, uh, 2, Peter 5, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, to obtain these gifts, you need more than faith. You must also work hard to be good. And even that is not enough. For then you must learn how to know God better and discover what He wants you to do. Next, you must put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly, gladly letting God have His way with you. This will make it possible for the next step, the next step which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them. And finally, you will grow to love them deeply. The more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. But it just it lists these different areas. Um, you know, just talking about growing and, and knowing God, growing in things like self-control, growing in um, uh, brotherly kindness, it says, and then growing in love. But it, basically it says here that if, if you don't have these and if you're not increasing in them, you could live a life as a Christian that is spiritually not strong, it's not fruitful, and it's not useful for fishing for the lives of others. And, and I was just convicted by that in my own life. You know, it's easy to go, well, my life was changed, uh, you know, 14 years ago when I came to know Christ. It was radically changed. Well, that that's good, you know, but it's like, well, what's happened since then? Or even becoming a pastor. It's like my life was changed to the point where I was this lost party or person to where God changed my character to serve Him as a pastor. Well, and then what? That's 10 years ago, you know? And I think sometimes we could be Christians who have had change in our lives at some point, but then we go into this plateau and we just kind of stay stagnant and we we refer to the change of the past. 
And if we want to be fishing well this year, we've got to be changing now. It says increasing in measure on these things. And so I just encourage you to maybe take a look at your life. I know some of you have already been thinking in your small groups and stuff about areas you think God wants to grow you in. But I encourage you to take a fresh look. You know, ask yourself the question, what, what does God want to change me in this year? Do you know what the answer is to that? What does God want to change you in this year? Think about different areas of maybe things related to healthy relationships, maybe related to Christ-like communication, maybe related to self-control as it relates to anger or sexual purity or um, finances. Maybe God wants to change you as it relates to pride and judging others or being critical of others. Maybe He wants to change you related to fears and worry. Maybe He wants to change your prayer life this year. Um, or maybe He wants to make you useful and fruitful this year. And I just encourage you to, to ask God, God, what do you want to change me in? And then look for, look for Him to bring the help that you need. Maybe through another person. Maybe through someone here in church or on your small group. Maybe through your devotion times as you're reading. But God wants to have us all changing and growing. And we just need to make sure we're cooperating with Him here. So that's just the first idea again. A good fisherman changes lives. And we want to be fishing, we want to be equipped, we want to be working together, and we want to have our lives changing so that we can also see others' lives change. That's the first theme there. That's the verse related to that. Um, the, second, um, the second theme that you know, stood out to me was kind of, uh, there's this phrase, I'll explain what it means, work hard in the kitchen. Uh, there was a teaching that John Meyer did, and his whole teaching was about how, how loving one another, how showing Christ to one another changes lives. And so he, um, he shared a lot of verses. Let me see, do I have this verse on there? Yeah. He shared a, a ton of verses. I don't know how many verses he went through. I'm pretty sure he went through uh, multiple chapters of the Bible in one teaching. And, uh, you know, he went through the, the letter of 1 John, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. Then he covered, I think somehow, I don't know, God must have multiplied time, but somehow he worked in all the one another verses in the New Testament into his teaching. Um, but his, his focus was a lot on this loving one another. And he said, you know, we are called to love one another, love one another in so many verses, and serve one another, and care for one another. But he called the idea, there's a term in Greek um, of this kind of loving fellowship that's called koinonia. And he shared about, you know, loving one another is, is this thing called koinonia. He said, you know, if you're not loving one another, if you're being selfish in that environment, you get koinonitis, something like that. But... um. But then he shared this analogy to kind of pull it all, this analogy to pull it all together, you know, to love one another as, as he commanded us. But he used the potluck analogy, um, and I don't know, maybe someone shared this last week. <clears throat> Any of you remember the potluck analogy? Yeah, a few of you did. Okay, good. Well, it was it was good for me. I thought it was a great analogy because I I really hate pot. And the idea of potluck. I grew up in a potlucky environment as a church, and it was always the same interesting food. And you know, it was uh, it was not a very encouraging environment that I grew up in that way. But uh, he shared it in the idea of when you have this loving fellowship, it's kind of like a potluck. And in a potluck, everyone's supposed to bring something to the potluck. And you know, someone brings the ever popular. You know, green bean casserole. Someone brings uh, the leftover rolls or whatever you bring to the potluck. But, but he said uh, in their experience, you know, they've had potlucks in the church in Fort Collins. But when you have a potluck, a lot of times you end up with a ton of food. Everyone's bringing something and this potluck overflowing and there's got to send stuff home with other people. Um, and he said, you know, that's kind of what this loving fellowship is supposed to be like. Everyone's bringing something to the potluck. And so he asked the question, what are you bringing to the meal? 
When it comes to your fellowship, your church, he asked, what are you bringing to the meal? And it was, you know, I thought that was a very convicting question, you know. Um, and then he asked, um, and he said, in order to be bringing, and that's talking about just love. What, what sort of love do you bring to the meetings when you go? Are, you bring a heart to serve, a heart to give, or do you show up at some environment going, man, I'm starving, gimme, 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 you know? And he said, if you're going to be in a loving fellowship, you've got to all, each one of us has to bring love to the table and willingness to serve and not just a, a me-centered environment, you know. And, um, but then he asked, well, how do you bring something to the potluck? You know, and he used this phrase, he said, um, you, need to, um, you need to work hard in the kitchen. If you're going to bring something to the potluck, you need to work hard in the kitchen. And, and what he meant by that is you've got to go to the source. If you're going to bring love to the table, you've got to go connect with the source Get that love and then bring it to the table. And, you know, he shared it specifically related to love, but it applies to everything. If you're going to be humble at the table, you probably got to sit somewhere where the source of humility is. Or if you're going to be serving when you get to this environment, instead of thinking you're to be served, you got to maybe find a source that would cause you to serve others. And, and he shared, you know, that source is obviously going... Um, and your time with, with the Lord, uh, your, your devotion time, things like that. And one of the verses, I don't think he shared this verse, but this is one I thought of when he, um, he shared. There's a passage in uh, Luke chapter 10. If you guys would pull out your Bibles, we could look at this together here. Just read this uh, passage together. It's Luke chapter 10, I'll see the page number here is, it's page 1028 in your house Bibles here. 1028 uh, in your house Bible. Luke chapter 10. should be Bibles uh, under the chair or on your chair or on your neighbor's chair or something. Um, well, let's just read this together here. Um, about working hard in the kitchen. In some ways, I would uh, argue with John on this point that it's, it's not so much. We see an example of working hard in the kitchen, but maybe it's not working so hard in the kitchen that gets the job done. Let's see what I mean here. But um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and it says, um, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do, do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so this idea here, it's kind of like, um, you know, we see two people, and uh, Martha, I think it was very nice of her, she invited Jesus into her home, but then their experience from there was very different between Martha and Mary. In some ways, maybe a... Uh, Martha could be someone who's, who's like a Christian, invited Jesus into their life, but they just don't spend much time with them because they're, they're so hectic, busy about whatever the preparations are they have for, for work or for this or for that. But Mary, it said, sat at his feet. And this phrase, sometimes at verse um, 42 here, that said, where Jesus said, Hey Martha, only one thing is needed, and your sister chose it. Sometimes that's just stumbled me. It's kind of like, Jesus, come on, only one thing is needed and it's just sitting around. That's, that's the solution. Um, but if you think about this idea, again, even of the, the potluck, it's kind of like um, Jesus sitting at his feet and listening to him. Really, he's the source of any need you could possibly have in your life. 
whether it's for love, whether it's for humility, whether it's for uh, you know motivation, whether it's for anything, He is the source to help us in that. And so if you're sitting at His feet, uh, it is the one thing that will affect every other need in your life. And sometimes it's hard to believe. You know, sometimes it's hard to believe sitting still with the Lord is going to help get things accomplished and checked off my to-do list. But Jesus said, hey, it is the one thing that's needed. As a matter of fact, you might have the wrong to-do list going if you're not sitting at His feet. You might be doing things that He might not even want you to do or He might not want to help you do them at that time. But see, Mary, Mary would have done it. If Jesus said, hey, go make me a sandwich, she would have done it in a heartbeat. If Jesus would have said, hey, go um, you know, lay down your life for, for someone, I bet she would have done it. But Martha was just distracted and busy and she was trying to do good. It wasn't like she was just looking to do evil. She was just so distracted that she, she missed the very source that would help her to get things done. And, and we've got to watch out for that. If you're going to bring something to the table, you want to be working hard in the kitchen only if that means sitting still at his feet, you know. And I feel like God's reminded me of that. I can have a lot of ministry responsibilities, so I can always be like, I've got to teach here and I've got to teach there and I've got to get ready for this and that. And I know in my own life I haven't been sitting at His feet as much as, as He would want me to. And this year I feel like He's just helped me even in the last number of days to sit still at His feet. And I tell you, things um, have gone a lot smoother with responsibilities I'm trying to get done, with hearing from Him to have something to teach, uh, hearing from Him to have things to do that I could tell others about. But I want to encourage you all to be working hard at the kitchen this year, um, you know, by sitting still at his feet and see how it goes. You know, do a little experiment or something to see how it goes for you. Because he says, Jesus says to you, that's the one thing that's needed. So um, let's see here. The next, the last one we're going to look at is is this theme here. This is not my stage. Um, I was one of the nights we were there. Uh, the worship at Faith Walkers, if you haven't been, is just awesome to have these uh, these bands playing and everyone singing together, and it's just a, a really good time. But one of the nights, I think there was a special song. I don't even remember the name of the song. It has something to do with dancing. Anyone remember that song? Celeste, um, Celeste used to be Celeste Darling. I think she sang it. She's Celeste Runquist now. But um, she sang this song about dancing and about this relationship with God, and she had one line that just... It jumped out at me. You know, I think we were watching the kids at the time, was a little distracted. And um, But she said something as she was singing um, and talking about dancing, that she said, this is not my stage. There's a, uh, a line in the song that just says, this is not my stage. And I was just thinking about how she was standing on the stage, you know, at Faith Walkers there, the stage has been getting bigger every year. But we got to look at it early this year to um, before, while they were setting up and, I went with my father-in-law and we checked it out. But the stage has got some serious steps going up to it now. And it's looking out over this audience. And there were several thousand people singing together to the Lord. And, and Celeste was singing there. And she said the line, this is not my stage. You know, and, and it somehow just resonated with my heart that um, this is not my stage. You know, whether it's teaching on a stage, whether it's teaching where there's not a stage, um, this is not my stage. Uh, it's... It's his stage, you know, and I think um, there were some things that just caused me to start thinking about on this this idea. One of them was even John the Baptist back in the days when Jesus is hitting the scene, he's going public and starting to do things, and people told John the Baptist, "Hey, John, this guy Jesus, he's like getting more followers than you. You know what's going on?" And and John just said, "You know what? I do need to become less, and he needs to become more." And he basically was saying, "This this world that we live in, your life is." 
it's not your stage. It's not my stage. It's, it's his stage. And, you know, start thinking about um, that point, you know, that our lives are to be his stage. And how's that going for you? You know, if, if your life is to be a stage for Christ, have you let him on stage at all? Is he, have you given him the mic? Maybe he's on stage and he's, he's singing back up to you. Um, is, is Jesus getting the stage in your life? You know, I think about different ways you can tell. This verse here I've always loved uh, since uh, being a young believer. But it says, he's saying, for you have exalted above all things. God, you've exalted above all things your name and your word. Is Jesus' name getting promoted from your stage? Is the Word of God, the Bible, is it getting promoted from your stage? Or are you thinking more about your name? You know, I want to be excellent for Christ. You know, I want to be whatever it is. I want to be the best at something or another so that, so that Jesus gets more glory for me looking so good, you know, while I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's His stage. And we need to be sharing His name from our stage and His Word. One of the things I notice sometimes in my own life, I'm tempted to, to share my thoughts and opinions. You know, I, I've been a Christian for a number of years, a pastor for a number of years, and I, I can think, well, because of that, it validates my opinion more. Because I've been a Christian for longer. I've read the one-year Bible now for 14 years, and so I've been through the, you know, and, and but it... It's not about your opinion. It's not about my opinion. I think of a proverb that's a little bit convicting, and it is to me, and maybe it is to you too, but it's Proverbs 18.2. And it says this. Um, Proverbs 18.2. Look it up real quick here. Um, this is something that can happen sometimes between, instead of sharing his word or his thoughts, it says in 18.2, it says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. You know, from your stage, have your opinions been promoted? If your life is supposed to be a stage for Christ and God and His Word, uh, what are you sharing? Are you sharing His thoughts, His opinions, or are you sharing your own? Because it says here that a fool finds pleasure in sharing their own. Another translation says that a fool just delights in revealing his own mind. But you know, if your stage is really his, you've got the mind of Christ right here and you can reveal that to others um, and it'll change lives, you know. And, but uh, just I think the thoughts, you know, and in my own life as well, you know, it's his word. Sometimes it's, I can have a story I want to share or something. I go, oh, that's a cool story. Now let me find a good verse that fits that story because that'd be a fun story to tell. But I feel like God's reminding me to get back to the basics. When I read His Word, um, and I'm trying to apply it to my life, and when I do apply it, often there's good stories that come from that. And that's what can be shared to His glory as compared to go, I think I've got this really cool story. Let me tack on a verse, and maybe somehow God will get glory because there's a verse involved in it. But really it's about um, promoting His name, His Word. Um, really, it's a, your life is about His Word, His name, His will. Is he getting his will in your life, his plan in your life, or are you trying to call God into your plan? Is his script playing out for you, or do you want God to fit into your script? You've got your desires, you've got the things you want, you've got the timetable you hope to see it in, the career path, the family size, whatever it is. And Is God working out your, your script for you, or are you yielding your life for his script? 
And these are all things that this whole idea, this whole phrase, this is not my stage, caused me to start thinking on some of these things and uh, how I can make adjustments. But I, I want to pass that on to you to ask you, you know, is he getting his way on your stage? Um, or are you trying to get some things for yourself? You know, um, one of the last things here is just know that your life is for his glory. Um, I love this verse here. We're going to close with this verse. And, but, and we're going to start a series starting next week that's going to talk about kind of the mission of the firehouse and what our purpose is as a church. But a lot of that is going to start off by this verse right here, this idea right here. And it's in Romans 11.36. And it says this, For everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by His power. And everything is for His glory. To him, be glory for, to him be glory evermore. But God created this whole world. It's an environment for Him to get glory in. Everything that's been created, including you and I, we've been created for His glory. And, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, is He getting that glory from us or are we trying to somehow tap into that for our own lives and promote our own, our own name, our own cool personality, our own, our own mission, our own game plan? Or have we yielded to His um, one of the things I think about on the stage here of, of your life is um, uh, there's this idea, I don't know if you've ever heard, there's a, there's a type of instrument, it's called a wind harp. Any of you ever heard a wind harp? Any of you own a wind harp? Uh, yeah, I don't either. I don't think I've seen one. I think I've seen them on TV or something like that. But the idea of a wind harp is that um, it's uniquely made. Um, each one of them, you know, you can make it in a way that produces different sounds. But the way that it works, nobody strums on it, nobody does anything like that. You set it out, and as the wind blows, music comes through it. You know, and I think um, that, that's a picture of what our lives are supposed to be like. And each one of us, it's like we've been uniquely made a harp. There's no other harp on this planet like you. And when you let God's Spirit blow through you, there's something beautiful that's produced. But it's produced in a way that gives glory to Him. He made the harp. He provides the wind. He provides the beauty that comes from that. And when your life is yielded to Him, um, on your stage is yielded to Him, there's something glorious that can come from that. And I think that's God, God wants us to think about that more this year. We're going to, this whole um, next series we're starting on, on the purpose of our church. We're going to look at this first teaching next week that has a lot to do with how we can bring glory to God in some specific ways and some ways He's called us to. And so be praying about that. Be praying uh, to have a heart to bring Him more glory this year. Um, I'm going to pray to close here and we will be on our way. You guys, let's just bow our heads together here. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, we do thank you for this new year that you have before us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to uh, yield to your plan for this year. We probably have a ton of ideas, a ton of good intentions. And Lord, first and foremost, we want to yield them to yours. Lord, uh, help us to catch... Uh, your heart and, and what you want to change in our lives. Maybe it's something different than what we want to change. Uh, maybe there's an area that we don't want to change and you do want to change it. Lord, I pray that you would just help help us to yield to you and, and uh, become more like you this year. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to work hard in the kitchen. That we would, as a church, we would be sitting still at your feet, getting love from you, getting humility from you, getting everything we need that when we come to the table together in any meeting... Um, so it would be a glorious potluck that's, um, that's loving and uh, people uh, just are blessed by being there. Lord, I pray you'd help us to bring something to the meal as we get that meal from you. Um, Lord, I also pray that you would just help our lives to be your stage. 
God, uh, help us if we're not willing uh, to hand over the mic to you or to yield the stage to you, Lord. Just help us to um, give our lives to you to use for your glory in any way that you want. Lord, maybe your role for us on your stage is you want to push in the broom on your stage and not at the mic. Um, God, whatever it is, we, we just want to do what you've designed us to do to bring you glory. God, help us in that. I pray it'd be a wonderful year in seeking you and following you and bringing you glory. And we ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming um, this this morning. And like I said, next week we're going to start a, a series just on uh, kind of the mission of the firehouse and some things that God for sure wants us to do. So I hope we'll catch you next Sunday as well as uh, small groups this week. So God bless you. Have a great week.